Now, the one who protects us all from prattling prognosticators and perfidious pundits. I say, America, stay out the bushes. Look for the union label. That's to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. From my cold, dead hands. I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. It's time for the Alan Nathan Show. Here he is, the longest-running nationally syndicated centrist host in the country, Alan Nathan. Welcome aboard, everybody. Welcome aboard. I'm ever yours, Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Thank you so much for joining us. If this is your virgin voyage, allow me to share with you our mantra. Folks, we want the Republicans out of our bedroom, the Democrats out of our wallets, and both out of our First and Second Amendment rights. We feel there exists this cavernous gap separating the two orthodoxies, and that it's a gap comprised of many degreed thinking people who can argue quite passionately in shades of gray. And to that end, each and every show, we have fine guests to help best illustrate this point. Today is no exception. Also, if you wish to hook up with us on the web, it's www.alannathan.com. Don't forget that email address, alan at alannathan.com. That's A-L-A-N. Coming at you live and strong each and every Monday through Friday at this time. Don't forget the classic Alan Nathan Show, Saturdays, 6 to 7 p.m. And overnight Sunday mornings, 3 to 4, all times Eastern. We are indeed a Main Street Radio Network production. Please check us out at MainStreetRadioNetwork.com. Feel free to avail yourselves of our nascent but always robust Twitter and Facebook options that we have there for you. And, of course, with great dispatch and alacrity, we'd love to thank our distributor, the Salem Radio Network. That's right, the Alan Nathan Show is entering its 25th year of national syndication, all thanks to you, reaching about 800 towns and cities across a couple of hundred radio station broadcasts each week. Again, all thanks to you, and by the way, I don't care if you're part of the authoritarian left or perpetually clueless right, please get out of the thought control business. Our topics du jour, as you may have known or may have heard, well, you know, we can only constitutionally revolt against government. In other words, use the Second Amendment option. When that government severs itself from the very laws it requires the rest of us to follow, while also becoming immune to its own normal checks and bounces, thus equaling tyranny. The big question is, are we headed there? And can we stop it from happening? Because happen it shall if they don't change course. I mean, again, folks, right now they are censoring us with impunity. And the truth is, If government can censor you, it can oppress you because its practice of the first means you cannot voice opposition to the second. See how that works? That's how they crush you. And they'll try to generate all the grounds they can to justify, but it kind of swings back to Aesop's fables. Remember that? A tyrant will will always find a pretext for his tyranny. A tyrant will always find a pretext for his tyranny. They'll justify censorship all day long. They're doing it now through claims of fighting uh, information, misinformation and disinformation. But, folks, we all know that accusations of misinformation and disinformation must be validated, not merely declared, must be shown, not merely stated. Otherwise, you've got the perfect tool for any tool to justify the shutting down of free speech, speech not to his or her or their respective liking. Screw that. Anyway, we have assisting the opining and analyzing old friend of the show, John Zamirak, senior editor at The Stream. He was press secretary for Louisiana Governor Mike Foster. He was also a reporter and editor at Success Magazine, as well as Investor's Business Daily. He's also co-author of like 13 books, including the highly praised work entitled Politically Incorrect Guide to Immigration. John, good to have you back. How are you? Fine. It's been a while. It's been too long since, since we talked. It has. It's been a while. I want to I wanna jump right into it uh, because... Uh, this is a real head-scratcher what these guys are getting away with. It's just it's just astronomically uh, unacceptable. You've got this uh, uh, government of ours where the Department of uh, Homeland Security and State Department are, are using uh, civilian intermediaries to crush dissent not to their liking. You've got a consortium of like uh, four private groups, and they're all under what's known as the Election Integrity uh, Partnership Act. But um, they're censoring massive... Uh, numbers of social media posts that they call misinformation. And uh, turns out they did it big time during the 2020 election. And then afterwards, Joe Biden's administration uh, rewarded them with millions of federal dollars. Uh, And boy, talk about incentivizing 
uh, what is already uh, bad faith acts and examples of illegality, or am I overstating it? No, in fact, what we have right now is a tyranny. We're not on the road to tyranny. We have arrived there. This is outsourcing the violation of the First Amendment. If, if the government can pay people to censor us because it can't do it under the First Amendment, that's no different from the government authorizing gangs of thugs to beat us up in the street because it can't do that legally. But guess what? That happened. The George Floyd riots, Black Lives Matter and Antifa, were mobs that were basically authorized by their local blue state governments to loot and pillage and beat up their political opponents. This is what we call a narco-tyranny. That's what political scientists call this tactic, where you suspend the law, anarchy for me, when, I, when my allies want to do something. And then if people fight back, people like Jake Gardner or Kyle Rittenhouse, you ascend, then you apply the laws, or January 6th, then you apply the laws like the, pro, like the prosecutor in Le Miserable. You, you go for every last dot and, jot and tittle of the law, and you prosecute people. That's the tyranny, a narco-tyranny, and it's how the Nazis came to power. The brown shirts would beat up their political opponents in the street. The police would come and arrest everyone. The judges who sympathized with the Nazis would let them go, and then they would prosecute the people who had defended themselves, the socialists or the communists or the Catholics. That is literally the Nazi playbook, and it is what the Democrats are following today. And they're doing so with adroitness. I mean, you got this consortium under the Election Integrity Partnership. It's comprised of four-member organizations, Stanford Internet Observatory, the University of Washington Center for an Informed Public, the Atlantic Council's Digital Forensic Research Lab, and Grapika, which is this uh, social media analytics firm. And it's a sort of a concierge service-like setup where organizations like Homeland Security, Cyber Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, as well as the State Department's Global Engagement Center, they get to file what's known as these quote-unquote tickets requesting that online story uh, links and social media posts be censored or flagged by big tech. And they were able to get a whole lot of these things uh, done. And don't get me wrong, government is allowed to push its own messaging all at once, but one thing it's not allowed to do is to crush the messaging of its critics. And that's precisely what we've been seeing going well, on. Well, so my to question do. to you is, if we're already there, what's the remedy? And am I wrong okay, in well, saying the Second Amendment option is viable? Well, the Second Amendment is the backup for if all, you know, if all legal protections fail. But politically, one thing we can do is we have to demand that the Republicans destroy the institutions that cooperated in this. For instance, we should be trying to cut off all funding to any department at Stanford University. We have to punish Stanford. Stanford is now our enemy. I don't care if the, if the economics department is innocent. Stanford needs to suffer for this. Any, any institution that cooperated with this, we have to try to legally persecute them and make them pay. And in order to create a disincentive for the next bunch of Nazi collaborators working with the tyrants to assault our basic liberties. We well, have what to you're doing, my friend, all you're doing then is you're using the punishment of the civilian community as a way to maybe slow down the wrongdoing of those in government. Now, well, obviously the problem we have is to stop those in government, they have the trappings of officialdom to insulate themselves, but that, of course, should not be enough. But we're having a hard time holding them accountable. Well, so what do you do to hold them more accountable? I mean, okay, what you're suggesting slows them down, but how do we more directly disincentivize uh, the bad faith actor in government? Oh, well, we need to disband the FBI and start a new agency from scratch. We need, to do, we need to go after the deep state. We need to see that the, the deep state in the United States is more the enemy of everybody in America than anybody in al-Qaeda or ISIS or in Russia or China or North Korea. Our deep state is the first enemy, and it's right here. Well, what happens when the left-allied government's camouflage law-breaking damage actually outpaces the judiciary's corrective action? It would seem to me that that learning curve is the place where they get to wreak the most havoc. Where am I mistaken? Right. 
No, then we defund the agencies. Republicans in Congress should be moving to defund the FBI. Zero it out. That's, I mean, this is hardball. It's time for hardball. There, we would be safer with no FBI than with an FBI that has been politicized. How much of Congress is needed to do that, though? How much of Congress is needed to do that? Doesn't it require both chambers to agree to that? No. You know you need, you need the House. The, the House just refuses to fund it, just keeps refusing. Well, hold it. Now, the House only has one law that allows them that comes to mind. That's the Holman Rule. Um, that would also be able to directly remove the salaries of those perpetrators. Uh, do you see Congress taking advantage of that? Not, not now, but that's what we should work for. But that Holman rule could also be executed without the permission of the Senate, yes? I don't know, but you know better than I do. But thank you. That's, I didn't know about that particular law. Yeah, I was just asking, I was just saying that uh, rhetorically, yes, it does. It can do that because it's an already existing law that gives Congress that power. President doesn't need to re-sign anything. Stick with us. According to the new State of Security Preparedness 2023 study released by Avanti, approximately half of respondents said they are very prepared to meet the growing threat landscape, but expected safeguards are ignored a third of the time. And leaders are actually four times more likely to be victims of phishing compared to office workers. Ivanti CEO, Jeff Abbott. Ivanti surveyed 6,500 executive leaders, cybersecurity professionals, and office workers globally to understand the perception of today's cybersecurity threats and to find out how companies are preparing for next generation cyber terror threats. The overwhelming majority of security professionals and leaders, 97%, told us their organizations are as prepared or more prepared today than one year ago. However, the threat of the unknown is as real as ever. In fact, only one in five of those same cybersecurity professionals would wager a chocolate bar on the state of their readiness. To learn more, visit Ivanti.com slash cybersecurity report. It has been over 30 years since Hurricane Andrew devastated South Florida. That storm marked the beginning of the Home Depot being a hub for help during disasters, a tradition that continues today. To commemorate those efforts, the company is releasing a new film called Hope Bills. Briar Waterman, Senior Director, Creative Design of the Home Depot. Drawing from interviews and using archive footage, we trace the origin, growth, and sophistication of the Home Depot's disaster relief efforts, demonstrating it is deeply connected to the values of the company and our unwavering support to our communities during their times of need. Whether it be a veteran in need or a community devastated by a natural disaster, Home Depot associates go beyond the job, beyond the nine to five, to make sure that their neighbors and communities are taken care of. This documentary is a prime example. To learn more about the film or for help creating your emergency supply kit, visit your local Home Depot or thehomedepot.com slash hopebills. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Jason Derulo. I love that music connects to people all over the country. But unfortunately, so does something else. Childhood hunger. 15 million kids struggle with hunger right here in America. And yet, every year, billions of pounds of surplus food in the U.S. go to waste instead of going to the children in need. Feeding America is working to change this. The Feeding America nationwide network of food banks rescues this surplus of food to help provide meals to families in virtually every community in the United States, including yours. But they just can't do this alone. Join me in the fight against hunger in America. For more information on what you can do to get involved, Visit feedingamerica.org. That's feedingamerica.org. Together we can solve hunger. Together we're feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. What is dedication? I am the father of a nine-year-old little girl and a six-year-old little boy. And I find fatherhood both relentlessly challenging and relentlessly rewarding. My daughter is biological and my son is adopted. I love them both so much. From the morning when you wake up to putting them to bed at night and every moment in between, it really is so special. And boy, is it exhausting. One thing that I fear about being a parent is the future for my children. I think a parent's job is to protect our children, but also prepare them for the world so they become good, kind human beings. But I'm also hopeful that the future holds a more inclusive and compassionate world for them. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. 
Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Um, I have another tweet by someone with a following of a full 18,000 followers. This person put a chart from the CDC on Twitter. It's the CDC's own data, so it's accurate by your standards. And you all labeled this as misleading. You're not a doctor, right, Ms. Gaddy? No, I'm not. Okay. What makes you think you or anyone else at Twitter have the medical expertise to censor actual, accurate CDC data? I'm not familiar with these particular situation. Yeah, I'm sure you're not. But this is what Twitter did. They labeled this as inaccurate. It is the government's own data. It's ridiculous that we're even having to have this conversation today. It's not just about the laptop. This is about medical advice that expert doctors were trying to give Americans because social media companies like Twitter were silencing their voices. Yes, and now we know it was at the behest of government, strangely enough. Every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. You're listening to an exchange between Congresswoman Nancy Mace, Republican out of South Carolina, asking Vijaya Gadi, who's a former head of legal policy at Twitter, about Twitter censoring a chart from the CDC, asking how they thought they were expert enough to censor CDC data. Why? Because it just went against the, left, other, the left's otherwise preferred narrative on this? Gotti replies she doesn't remember this. Mace, he says she's, that this is beyond just censoring the Hunter Biden laptop story. It's Twitter censoring doctors trying to help people. And as I mentioned earlier, we're, we're now coming across uh, information even being acknowledged by NBC. They had a story just a few days ago with a headline, Immunity Acquired from a COVID Infection is as Protective as Vaccination Against Severe Illness and Death, study finds. The immunity generated from an infection was found to be, quote, at least as high, if not higher, than that provided by two doses of an mRNA vaccine. All right, it's by Dr. Akshay Sial, S-Y-A-L. The doctor writes, immunity acquired from a COVID infection provides strong, lasting protection against the most severe outcomes of the illness, according to research published Thursday in The Lancet. Protection experts say that's on a par with what's provided through two doses of mRNA vaccine. Goes on to write, infection-acquired immunity cut the risk of hospitalization and death from a COVID reinfection by 88% for at least 10 months, the study found. And you know what? You had Joe Biden out there insisting that the old, oh, my body, my choice uh, mantra didn't apply to people when it came to having been naturally immunized because they were putting others at risk because it was transmissible. Well, now we find out, of course, that not now, we've now known for a while that the COVID vaccines did sod all to preempt transmission. But see, anybody pointing out dissent against those earlier assumptions were treated as if they were enemies of science. Well, let me explain something to you, douchebags. Science is the study of the natural world based on facts learned through experimentation, observation, and competitive analyses. Let me repeat that. Science is the study of the natural world based on knowledge acquired through experimentation, observation, and competitive analyses. If you don't permit competitive analyses, you've got junk science douchebags on the left and you are harming people douchebags on the left by supporting this pathetic masturbatory censorship you harmed millions of people douchebags on the left and I say this as somebody who cannot left the best of them because I'm a social progressive. I'm pro-choice, pro-gay rights, pro-gay marriage, pro-social safety nets. And yes, I'm also pro-reparations for blacks, not tied to slavery, tied to Tuskegee and Jim Crow. So when you have someone like me urinating all over douchebags like you, it might be a good idea to start executing a greater capacity for self-appraisal. Schmucks. Anyway, without further ado, we have assisting in the opining and analyzing Old friend of the show, John Zamirak, senior editor at The Stream. Once again, press sec- he was former press secretary for Louisiana Governor Mike Foster, as well as having been a reporter and editor at Success Magazine and Investors uh, Business Daily. John, appreciate you uh, sticking around. Hopefully you don't think I'm being too strident here. 
comment. I'd like to second what you had to say and, and explain something. I, I, was, I was writing about the COVID panic, and that's what we should call it, the great COVID panic, uh, for years, because I write a, week, a daily column, five days a week at stream.org, and people want to follow me, they could do it there. What we saw was an attempt to create a public health dictatorship, a public health dictatorship in which the entire Constitution was essentially suspended in the name of protecting people from an infectious disease. Now, here's why this is such a dangerous weapon in the hands of tyrants. We have a, lot, a, a number of court precedents saying that constitutional rights can be temporarily suspended for the sake of things like quarantining infected people during epidemics. That's one thing. That's a very dangerous legal precedent. But more importantly, psychologically, this is such a powerful weapon. The fear of contagion, the fear of infection is so basic to, the hum- to us as biological creatures that you can use it to trump every other concern, concern for privacy, concern for liberty. You had pastors falling all over themselves to close down their own churches. It is a terrifying weapon that our the enemies of freedom have figured out they can use. And I think the whole COVID panic of 2019 But then think of it, my friend, there should be a greater panic over suppression of speech that can enlighten people about those same pathogens, about those same uh, fears over contagion. Because if you shut down free speech, then the very paranoia that you say is such a powerful weapon can only be that much more enabled once people realize, wait a minute, don't let government cut down free speech in the name of making you panic over contagion, because if you do that, then all of a sudden the contagion might be even worse. What happens when you get to shut down free speech that would otherwise let people know more about the contagion? Alan, you're absolutely right. But again, psychologically, when people panic, when people are in a state of panic, they look for a trusted authority figure. And the CDC and Fauci and Barbara Burks, Donald Trump foolishly enabled those people to seize the mantle of authority uh, while he put them on television. And then that was a tragic mistake. But when people are panicking, they're not thinking, oh, wait, the free market of information and free experimentation are the route to scientific progress. That's true. But when people are panicking, they just want the man on a white horse to take charge and make them safe. So the left very cleverly figured out how to create a tyrannical, ty- tyrannical government, to suspend the Constitution. And people like like Governor Whitmer, where she violated the state constitution, a court later ruled that her state of emergency was illegal. She wasn't impeached. She should be impeached. She should be imprisoned. She should be prosecuted for unlawful imprisonment of the entire state of Michigan. But we're not doing that. We need to do that. We need to prosecute Andrew Cuomo for dumping COVID patients in nursing homes and essentially murdering thousands of elderly Americans in what should have been the safety of their nursing homes. I know, but the left's manipulation tactic is to use secondary measures of allegedly more important morals to supplant the primary measure of our right to choose for ourselves that which we prefer. You want to be panic-stricken? Here's how to be panic-stricken. Find out that you can't voice opposition to those who would oppress you. That should be panicky. That should transcend everything, including those worried about pathogens and contagion, because you want to have the best information to fight it, not government-mandated information, barring all dissent. Stick with us. I want to make sure that we don't overfeed our animals because feeding our animals more is not love. You know, there's so many other ways you can show love, like throwing a ball and walking them and give them a little extra love. The annual end obesity campaign by Hills is wonderful for a guy like me and Dr. Hodges who are practicing veterinarians because it's obesity, like you said, is one of those um, illnesses or conditions that we see most in the veterinary hospital. And it can be very difficult sometimes talking to clients about, you know, their patient being obese, you know. But Heels with their campaign have given us the tool to be able to get this message across. And it's something that they do annually. They've invested a lot of time, a lot of money into the research, into the pet food that we can use to help these animals that are obese. So you can go to npetobesity.com and you can learn a whole lot more about 
how you can actually use the love test as well as learn more about Hill's pet nutrition and ways to control your pet's weight. This is sponsored by IBM. The 65th annual Grammy Awards red carpet will see the return of one very special guest, IBM Watson's artificial intelligence, delivering a data-driven fan experience during the show. Grammy Insights with Watson draws from over 20 million sources to share info about hundreds of Grammy nominees and winners live on screen as they walk the red carpet. Christy Kolsky, IBM Program Director. Music's Biggest Night is loaded with exciting artists and creators. And Grammy Insights with IBM Watson elevates the fan experience by sharing their inspiring stories on screen as they walk the red carpet, as well as on the artist pages on Grammy.com. This year, IBM is also helping the Recording Academy with design, implementation, and management of its member experience on Salesforce, developing world-class personalized journeys for more than 22,000 music professionals around the world. Visit live.grammy.com during the 65th Annual Grammy Awards Red Carpet Livestream on Sunday, February 5th at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time to see Grammy Insights with Watson. You know that feeling? Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. But when you find the right tools, suddenly everything just clicks. Getting on that path may be easier than you think. A good place to start? Go to findsomethingnew.org. At findsomethingnew.org, you have access to resources that help develop new skills. Skills that will position you for careers in today's growing industries. From healthcare and manufacturing to cybersecurity and alternative energy. Plus, you can take advantage of online courses, certification programs, apprenticeships, and more. So you can take yourself from unemployed and uncertain to empowered and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny. When I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Glowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes, When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, every year. is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis. For those who have an aversion to the left-right, black-white, two-dimensional approach, delighted you could be with us. Well, I've been pointing out that we can only constitutionally revolt against government, you know, use that Second Amendment option. When that government severs itself from the very laws it requires the rest of us to follow, while also becoming immune to its own normal institutional checks and balances and reciprocal checks and balances, which, of course, equals tyranny. The big question is, are we headed there? 
Uh, but I'll tell you what, before we uh, move on to that, let's uh, invite old friend of the show, Richard Manning, president of Americans for Limited Government. He's a D.C. insider who, under President Trump, frequented the White House, where he met with the president and other high-level officials on a pretty regular basis. Uh, he's here to chat with us about FBI giving Biden's attorneys and Hillary Clinton's attorneys uh, before that the chance to destroy evidence while raiding um, everyone else who was suspected of said uh, activity of having, let's say, uh, possession of classified materials they should not. Uh, Trump got a raid. Uh, Biden, who apparently was aware of these things, kept it secret from all of us a couple of months before the election. Um, also, he's here to chat with us about the government bypassing the First Amendment by outsourcing uh, censorship to private groups. Richard Manning, good to have you back. How are you today? Richard Manning, how are you today, buddy? I'm doing well, Alan. How are you? Doing how well, you, doing Alan? well. Doing well. I tell you what, um, just because we've been talking about it um, all along, I want to dive right into it with you. Government bypassing the First Amendment by outsourcing uh, private groups. I want you to hear an exchange um, that we've had. Uh, this is just fascinating stuff. Congresswoman Nancy Mace um, writing uh, one Vijaya Gotti pretty hard. Uh, she's a former head of legal policy at Twitter. Uh, why don't you right. listen to the exchange between Congresswoman Nancy Mace and uh, Vijaya Gotti vis-a-vis her suppression of information from uh, doctors who really know that about which they speak, uh, and yet you had this person uh, quashing their dissent, uh, all obviously based on political grounds having nothing to do with science. Clip six. James, if you please. Where did you go to medical school? I did not go to medical school. I'm sorry. I did not go to medical school. That's what I thought. Why do you think you or anyone else at Twitter had the medical expertise to censor a doctor's expert opinion? Our policies regarding COVID were designed to protect individuals. We were seeing you guys censored Harvard-educated doctors, Stanford-educated doctors, doctors that are educated in the best places in the world, and you silenced those voices. Silence those voices. I mean, this is and, and before I get you to comment on that, I want you to hear just one more clip uh, because this exchange was really fascinating. Uh, James, let's uh, share with everybody clip seven, a continuation of this back and forth between Congresswoman uh, Nancy Mace of South Carolina and Vijaya Gotti, again, the former head of legal policy at Twitter. Clip seven. James, if you please. Um, I have another tweet by someone with a following of a full 18,000 followers. This person put a chart from the CDC on Twitter is the CDC's own data, so it's accurate by your standards, and you all labeled this as misleading. You're not a doctor, right, Ms. Gaddy? No, I'm not. Okay. What makes you think you or anyone else at Twitter have the medical expertise to censor actual, accurate CDC data? I'm not familiar with these particular situations. Yeah, I'm sure you're not, but this is what Twitter did. They labeled this as inaccurate. It is the government's own data. It's ridiculous that we're even having to have this conversation today. It's not just about the laptop. This is about medical advice that expert doctors were trying to give Americans because social media companies like Twitter were silencing their voices. Part of what triggered this exchange was that uh, there was recent disclosures of the fact that uh, there's little to no difference in uh, uh, wearing a mask versus not wearing a mask. Uh, Just the News had a story. A massive mask meta study undermines remaining COVID mandates. Researchers in gold standard collaboration struggled to find benefit uh, from surgical over no masks or N95 respirators over surgical. Uh, you know, and it went on and on and on. Just, just you have to remember something, and we pointed this out on, on our show. Turns out that aerosols, uh, which spread over 90% of COVID, are only one seventeenth the size of the pores found in the finest of surgical masks while also being only about 180th the size of the pores found in the finest of cloth masks. So why the hell did we have this protocol shoved down our throats? This means that the Democrat politicized portion of the medical community has been caught red-handed, knowingly harming millions just to keep us frightened enough to let them retain increased powers for even greater subsequent control. 
to my guest, I would also bring up the fact that we got this other story just out of NBC, of all places, with a headline. Get this, my friend. Immunity acquired from a COVID infection is as protective as vaccination against severe illness and death study finds. Subtitle, the immunity generated from an infection was found to be, quote unquote, at least as high, if not higher than that provided by two doses of an mRNA vaccine. This is pretty heady stuff, is it not, Richard Manning? Well, the truth is always heady, and the fact is um, we've known for two years that the government was censoring information and denying people the ability to find out information about treatments for COVID, the ability to find out information about um, what actually works in terms of interdicting it. Um, Everything was, was censored because the government had one goal, to get everybody to get the vaccine. They could not admit, you know, suddenly the flatten the curve and all that stuff went away. They couldn't admit that actual real uh, um, immunity comes from getting the disease. They had to, dis- they had to eliminate that as a, as a possibility because the goal was not protecting the American public. The goal was forcing people to take a vaccine. The goal was not information about how to defeat the disease and treat the disease. The goal was to force everybody to get the vaccine. Anything that was not directly selling a vaccine was viewed as being antithetical to the government goals. And hence, the FBI and the and Department of Homeland Security and others reached out to these uh, social media companies, and they said, and they basically pressured them into becoming a censorship arm of the U.S. government. That's what we've learned. That's what we suspected for three years. That's what we learned occurred during the, uh, from the Elon Musk release of the Twitter emails. And it is a, it's extraordinarily dangerous. But, Alan, you know the part that really bothers me? The fact of the matter is in 2018, at the end of, the, of 2018, um, when Congress was switching over to a new Congress in 2019, but in a lame duck session, Congress passed legislation which gave the power to the Department of Homeland Security to do exactly what they did. But so any time, my not, friend, you know, you know as well as I do that legislative law is only as binding as it is constitutionally compliant. It's mm-hmm. only as binding as it is constitutionally compliant. So I don't give a Nats breakage of win about a law passed that's categorically antithetical to the Constitution's First Amendment. Anytime legislative law conflicts with constitutional law, constitutional law trumps legislative law each and every time. And right now, we really have this going on because of this uh, Election Integrity Partnership Group. It's a consortium of four private groups. We're talking about the Stanford Internet Observatory, the University of Washington Center for an right. Informed Public, the Atlantic Council's Digital Forensic Research Lab, and, and, and Grapika, which is the social media analytics firm. You have this concierge-like setup. It started in 2020, and it's been allowing federal agencies like CISA, Oh, that's a component of Homeland Security. It's the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency. Also, so the State Department's Global Engagement Center. These pieces of crap have been allowed to file what's called these quote-unquote tickets uh, requesting that big tech shut down stories not to their liking, requesting that online story links and social media posts uh, running contrary to their preferred masturbated narratives be censored or flagged by big tech. And in my estimation, sir, this is, denotatively or connotatively, a series of tyrannical acts. Where am I overstating anything in the least? You're not. You're not overstating it at all. Um, I, my frustration is being back here in D.C., I listen to public officials complain about it all the time. And when I tell them, well, why don't you defund CISA and stop them from doing this, they suddenly get, you know, fear in their eyes about, oh, we don't want to actually do something that would prevent it from occurring. And so my, my focal point here is to get Congress to do their job, because it may take five years for the Supreme Court to declare this unconstitutional. And the damage they're doing to our freedoms every single day is so overwhelming. And the fact they're trying to manipulate the public into having a framework, a viewpoint that is co- that coincides with a viewpoint that's accepted out of Washington D.C. is is criminal. Well, sure. Look at what you're talking about, my friend, we, Richard Manning. I'm just, I'm just really just one point. I'm sick of politicians. Their compl-
complaining about and then not being willing to stand up and say, no, we're not going to fund the agency that's actually conducting this exact operation against the American public. When, in fact, they can. They don't even need the president's authority. I mean, we got things like the Holman <laughs> rule that allows them to cut off salaries of bad faith actors. But what you're talking about is really disturbing because it would take, like, the Supreme Court a number of years before these folks are shut down. But we have to ask ourselves... What happens when the left-allied government's camouflage law-breaking damage actually outpaces the judiciary's corrective action? During the interim, they get to cause a lot of harm before they're stopped, and then after they are stopped, they can restart something else all over again. Something has to be done to disincentivize these folks for that. Heart disease is the number one cause of death in the U.S. for men and women and continues to increase. Due to the often invisible risk factors, one in five heart attacks occur with no recognizable signs or warning. With the sports season heating up, heart attack risk can more than double when your favorite team is playing. February is American Heart Month, and Hall of Fame tight end Tony Gonzalez shares how fans and non-fans alike can assess their risk factors and prioritize their health. Awareness is key. We're re-encouraging all sports fans to learn about their personal heart risk factors as their favorite sports season heats up so they can keep their hearts in the game. Bear Aspirin has partnered with digital health company Huma to develop the Bear Aspirin Heart Risk Assessment Tool. The tool quickly assesses an individual's personal risk of developing cardiovascular disease over the next 10 years so that they can discuss their heart health risk factors with a healthcare professional as part of an ongoing health management. Learn more and assess your risk factors at checkyourheartrisks.com. Hi there, it's Joe Montana. Life after football has been full of taking my shot at new things. Now I'm working with Pfizer to tell you about pneumococcal pneumonia. Pneumococcal pneumonia should be the last thing standing in your way. Pneumococcal pneumonia is a potentially serious bacterial lung disease that can strike any time of year. It can disrupt your life for weeks, and in severe cases, It can put you in the hospital and even be life-threatening. And Joe knows that vaccination is one of the best ways to help protect himself from pneumococcal pneumonia. If you're 65 or older or 19 or older with certain underlying medical conditions like asthma, COPD, chronic heart disease, or diabetes, talk to your doctor or pharmacist about the risks of pneumococcal pneumonia and whether vaccination is right for you. Understand your risk at KnowPneumonia.com. That's K-N-O-W pneumonia.com. This is your shot. This message is brought to you by Pfizer. My name is Judy Teeter, and I'm the mother of three boys. My youngest, Joe, was a great kid. He loved sports, music, and his youth group. One day, Joe asked me to drive him to an after-school event, which was about a mile from our home. I was driving through a green light when a car in cross-traffic ran a red light, and drove right into the side of our car, killing Joe. The driver was talking on her phone, so she never even saw the red light. She was so absorbed in her phone call. Before the crash, I didn't realize just talking on a cell phone while driving was so dangerous. Now it's something I think about every day. According to the National Safety Council, about one in four car crashes involves a cell phone. Hands-free is no safer. When you're behind the wheel, put away your phone. For Joe and for the thousands of needless deaths every year, remember, there is no safe way to talk on a cell phone while driving. Find out more at nsc.org slash callskill. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes? Their age? The way they speak? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who got his first job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner. Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends, but just to get something to eat. Or a retiree who fell ill and had to choose between getting medicine or groceries. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. The mission of Paralyzed Veterans of America is clear. Accessibility. 
Veterans who have served and sacrificed the best of themselves deserve access to the best our country has to offer. Access to meaningful employment. Access to the veterans' benefits they've earned. Accessible homes and vehicles. And access to every part of their communities. With PVA staff working inside VA hospitals, no other veterans organization has provided more real-time, ongoing support for paralyzed veterans and their families. PVA is proud to serve veterans across all branches, all generations, and all conflicts. Our nation's heroes fought for your independence. Join PVA in fighting for theirs at pva.org. Ever contact you or anyone at Twitter to pressure Twitter to moderate or censor certain tweets? Yes or no? We have a program. Did the U.S. government ever contact you or anyone at Twitter to censor or moderate certain tweets? Yes or no? We receive legal demands to remove content from the platform from the U.S. government and governments all around the world. Those are published on a third-party website and anyone can review Thank God for Matt Taibbi. Thank God for Elon Musk for allowing to show us in the world that Twitter was basically a subsidiary of the FBI, censoring real medical voices with real expertise that put real Americans' lives in danger because they didn't have that information. This is tremendously um, upsetting. It really is. Every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. We're listening to an exchange between Congresswoman Nancy Mace, a Republican from the great state of South Carolina, grilling Vijaya Gade, a former head of legal policy at Twitter, about the government and asking if the government asked them to actually censor tweets. Now, Gotti replied that they received, ultimately it was like extracting teeth, but she finally admitted that they had received legal demands to do just those very tasks. And May says that Twitter has been revealed to be a subsidy or subsidiary of the FBI, and lives were put in danger by people being denied the information Twitter was censoring. Information that now even some parts of mainstream media are coming out and acknowledging were correct all along. Correct all along, like NBC just coming out a few days ago with a story entitled Immunity Acquired from a COVID Infection. In other words, those who are uh, naturally immunized because they caught it and survived it. Immunity acquired from a COVID infection is as protective as vaccination against severe illness and death, study finds. Subtitle, the immunity generated from an infection was found to be, quote, at least as high, if not higher, than that provided by two doses of an mRNA vaccine. But if you had the temerity, the mitigated goal, audacity, and lack of fortitude to suggest that very information a year and a half ago, despite the fact of having all the grounds to do so, you were regarded as a heretic, as being anti-science. But, of course, again, science is the study of the natural world based on facts learned through experimentation, observation, and competitive analyses. If you deny the competitive analyses, you're left with junk science. Damn it. Anyway, assisting in the opining and analyzing old friend of the show, none other than Richard Manning, president of Americans for Limited Government. He's a D.C. insider who, uh, under President Trump anyway, frequented the White House where he met with the president and other high-level officials on a pretty regular basis. This is just beyond the pale. But you know what, Richard? It's now cathartic to at least have it out in such a more salient fashion, juxtaposed to what we were witnessing a year and a half ago. Isn't that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. It's a the single best thing that happened was Elon Musk allowing the emails to be uh, made public, because in doing so, it confirmed what we knew was happening. But suddenly, we're not the ones wearing the tinfoil hats. It's the people who deny it who are the ones with the tinfoil hats on, because they're literally living in a in uh, a world where they don't they deliberately don't want to hear what's actually happened. The little kid stomping his feet with his hands over his ears, screaming, saying, I don't want to know. And the truth of the matter is, um, I, my suspicion is that this is not an anomaly. We saw we saw CISA and 
uh, actually brag on their website a year ago, they've cleaned it up since then, about their, their work in trying to make certain that election information was, uh, shall we say, uh, cleaned up and people weren't allowed to actually talk about the 2020 elections without being shadow banned or banned. Um, and they so they've done it on a number of different issues, not just COVID. But the COVID issue is millions of people died. That's you know, and a lot of deaths could have been prevented if more just who wouldn't have, who are who are suffering from that. So, so you would agree a lot of deaths could have been prevented had had the quashing of dissent not been brought about by government via big tech. And also, you're right also about the elections, and uh, that was election interference, what they do with the Hunter Biden laptop story, because votes would, have, votes would have been switched. Biden would have lost. He would have had his ass handed to him for breakfast had that interference not been allowed to transpire. As a matter of fact, there's a marvelous exchange between uh, Congresswoman Elisa Stefanica, a Republican out of New York. Uh, she addresses this. And she does a great job. This is around the same time as we heard Congresswoman Mace uh, grilling the uh, former Twitter employee. Clip nine, James, if you please. The Twitter files are just the tip of the iceberg because there's so much more. There was a corrupt revolving door at the highest levels between the FBI and Twitter. Look no further than Jim Baker, former general counsel at the FBI who helped unlawfully investigate Donald Trump in the 2016 election. Or look at Jim Comey's deputy chief of staff who became the director of strategy at Twitter. Isn't it true, according to the Twitter files, that there were so many FBI officials who then went to work at Twitter that that created their own Slack channel and crib sheet for onboarding? Correct. Are you aware that, according to polling, of the people that were made aware of the Hunter Biden laptop story, 53% would have changed their vote, including 61% of Democrats. This is the definition of election meddling, and it's the definition of election meddling by the FBI on behalf of Democrats paid for by the U.S. taxpayers. It's collusion, it's corruption, and it's unconstitutional. She was talking to Georgetown um, University lawyer uh, Jonathan Turley. Uh, right. he, he's known for writing a lot of great things. Uh, here's my question. You know, the, the woke infiltrating government to censor dissent through big tech allies screams a valid question, I think. Now, given that the Constitution only permits the American people to use the Second Amendment option against the tyrannical government, you know, to ensure what's, quote-unquote, necessary to the security of a free state, i got to ask you, buddy, how much more tyrannical does the DOJ and FBI have to become before that might happen? Richard Manning. I have to tell you, um, this is... I, I was a lobbyist for National Rifle Association for nine years, okay? And so I've dealt with this on a philosophical level for a long time. And the answer is when all options run out, I think is when that's when that becomes valid. I don't think options have run out. Um, the fact is that right now, the fact these people are having being scrutinized, it is my expectation and hope and something we're working on to make certain that particularly bad actors who remain in the government um, have the Holman rule applied to them and they end up not being paid and uh, they can work for free, uh, but they, they get booted out. And the fact is, James Baker, who was part of Russia collusion and then part of the Twitter general counsel team, who was involved in editing the emails um, before he got fired, he was the collusion. And people need to remember that connection between the FBI and, and Twitter. The employees were the collusion because they talked to one another and they engaged in activity that cannot be tolerated in this country. We'll have to let that be the final word. Always great to have you on board, Richard Manning, President of Americans for Limited Government. Folks, you're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. Thanks again, everybody. The opinions you hear on the Main Street Radio Network are those of the host, callers, and guests, and not necessarily those of the station, Main Street Radio Network, its management, or advertisers. The information on the Main Street Radio Network does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or securities. So please, consult a professional before investing. If you have any questions or comments about Main Street Radio Network, contact us at 703-719-0433 or at our website, MainStreetRadioNetwork.com.